Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, translation techniques, cat tools and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Episode 36 is here. My name is Paul Irwin and I hope you are having a really, really good week so far. Today I'm talking to Paula Plazas and this this episode is really, really good for, for those of you who are just starting out. Perhaps you're in the first few years of your your career as a freelancer and if so, this is definitely the episode for you because Paula is someone who's who's really made a lot of progress in a relatively short period of time and if you listen to how she's approached her business the things that she's she's done along the way then I think there's there's really a a, a kind of a blueprint a kind of a, a guide there for for many freelancers starting out so you might want to listen to some of the things that she's uh, that she's achieved in that in that short space of time so that's that's coming up in just a second before we get into that, I'd just like to mention the pros.com and MCIS online translator training program. Now, we've been working with MCIS for well over well over a year now, and they they have over 30 years experience in the business. They've been developing courses for for many many years. So with them, we've launched this very comprehensive course to provide translators with all of the tools that they need to make a successful start to their career as a freelance translator. It's, a, it's, it's really, really complete, this course. In fact, it, it's divided into three main sections, fundamentals of translation, developing translation competence, and community translation, and includes everything from the language service industry and the translator's role and competence, to the cognitive process of translation, the translation unit and equivalence, quality in translation, revision editing and proofreading, working with CAT tools, translation of official documents, legal translation, medical translation. So many, many topics. And at the end of the program, you'll be familiar with the code of ethics and best practices within the, the language services industry. You'll also understand how to build translation competencies conduct research and expand your growing terminology base. You will have comprehensive knowledge of various fields of translation, including legal, medical, advertising, business communications, technical communications, etc. And you'll also have a fundamental understanding of how to build a freelance translation business. So this is your chance to earn a certificate and showcase your skills. It takes about it takes about th- three months to complete this course and it's about 90 90 hours altogether. So it's quite a so it's quite an in-depth program that re- is really going to prepare you for your future as a professional translator. So to check out that, please head on over to training.pros.com. That's training.pros.com. We are really trying to bring you the right courses that are that are going to help you make the next steps in in your career. That's uh, that's the new course from pros.com helping freelance translators and interpreters succeed right let's get cracking with today's interview maria paula plazas is an english to spanish translator and a subtitler specializing in health health insurance and entertainment she is originally from argentina where she got her ba in english to spanish translation 
Currently, she lives in Uruguay, where she founded her translation business, Paula Plaza's Translations. At the moment, she's completing a master's degree in audio-visual translation. Paula is the ambassador for Lock Lunch Montevideo and one of the organizers of the Uruguayan Translation and Interpreting Conference. Paula is a member of the American Translators Association and helps the ATA Medical Division with social media and events coordination. Paula, welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. Well, great to, great to be talking to you today, Paula. And uh, yeah, lots of things to ask you. Uh, first of all, as I usually do, I'd just like to get a little bit of background. So take us back in time, maybe to when you were a lot younger. When did you start first start with an interest in languages? When did you realize that you wanted to be a translator? And take us on a little bit of that journey, please, Paula. Okay, sure. So when I was 13 years old, I wanted to study English. I had English lessons at school, but they were in uh, very good. So I asked my parents and they enrolled me uh, into a language institute. And I studied English there for a couple of years. And then when I was 16, I was at a family gathering. And there was this woman that was my uncle's friend. And somebody asked, what do you do? And she said, I'm a translator. And to be honest, I was fascinated by the idea. And the idea never faded. And then when I had to uh, go to college, I knew exactly I wanted to be a translator. Wow, that's, uh, that may, certainly makes things easier if you have it that clear from a, from a young age. So then you, then you studied for your, your degree in translation. And did that just that just reconfirmed everything that you'd thought up until that point? Or was it different to what you were expecting? Yeah, I really liked it. And then after I graduated, I had some doubt. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, that I think that happens. But then I found out that I could translate things that I liked. And I could uh, do uh, interesting things and work with nice people. And now I'm really happy what I, with what I do. Tell me about those doubts. I'm interested in, in hearing about that. Well, I started out as a freelancer, so my first clients uh, didn't pay very well. And I also worked at weekends. I worked late at night. I translated some things that I didn't like, uh, the, the topics, because yeah. I just wanted to uh, have some experience. But I think that when you... Uh, grow and have more experience you you realize uh what you want to do and you you go with that okay so you were a freelancer right from right from the start or even possibly before you graduated or soon after you graduated when did that happen what was I your first? Start, yeah so i started working uh one year before i graduated and i was freelancing yes i it was Quite difficult because I had to learn everything uh, from my own, like how to use a CAD tool, for example. Yeah. And I worked as a freelancer for two years, and then I got an in-house job that was something that I wanted. I wanted to have that experience. I have to say it was thanks to Pros because I became a Pros member in 2019 in February, and then in March, one month later, I was contacted by the company, and well, after some interviews and tests. I, I started working for them as an in-house linguist. And then last year, uh, one year ago exactly, in July, I left the job uh, because I wanted to set up my own business. And here I am. 
Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Let, let's just talk through those changes because I think it's I think it's really interesting to kind of um, get your thoughts. What I'm what I'm interested in finding out is a number of different things. So forgive me for kind of asking you a couple of questions all at the same time. Um, but <laughs> but like so so did your did your practical experience as a freelancer differ from what you expected from when you were taking when you were studying for the degree so that's the the kind of first thing I'm interested in in whether there's a difference between that those practical uh realities of running a business I mean I know there is a difference I'm just interested in hearing your experience (laughs) and the theoretical um parts that you might use uh study at university so that's kind of one thing and then I'm also interested in in this transition so you started off as a freelancer you felt the the need for 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 that in-house job and then you decided to go back um to freelancing I'm just interested in what you were thinking at different points along the way okay so first um yes I think college was different from than the actual practice uh I don't know uh I think it may depend on the university but at least where I studied we studied a lot of grammar and language and a little bit of translation at the end uh the last year and then when you have to be a a freelancer or when you have to look for a job there are so many things that you need to know about like marketing and branding and finding your own clients and I think that was the most difficult part that we didn't uh, study how to be a a business owner or how to to be a freelancer for example we just studied language and translation but then there's much more than that and yeah yeah and well when i started out as a freelancer i actually didn't choose to be a freelancer it just happened i just i was working as a english instructor at a company in my hometown and then they i knew they had a, a small translation department and i started working with them as a translator as a freelance translator and I just continued as a trans, as a freelancer uh, with some local companies and then some companies from other countries. And then I wanted to have that experience as an in-house linguist because I, I had some friends that were in-house linguists at the time. And I knew I could learn, learn uh, more as an in-house linguist. And that's actually what happened. I, I gained a new specialty that was medical uh, insurance. Yeah. I gained speed because suddenly I was translating uh, nine hours, well, eight hours per day from Monday to Friday. So yeah. I was translating way faster than in the past. And yeah, I I think it was a great experience and to be able to be part of a team. But then I realized I was translating so many words per month that if I could do that as a as an independent translator again, I would make uh, more money. And also yeah. now I had more resources and more tools, and I was I think I was ready uh, to set up my own business. And well, that was <laughs> what I did. Okay, okay. And did you have any clients at all when you? when you first started out again on on your own? Yes. Well, first I continued working with that company, but now as a freelancer, uh, I still work with them. 
And also I had uh, one more client that I used to work as a freelancer in the past. And then after that, I started with those two. And after that, I, I got more clients. So you had enough to get started with. That's, that's great. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. I think it's important to have at least one client uh, because if not, you, you have to look for them and that takes a lot of time. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. And how did you find new clients then? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I used, uh, I still use pros. I used LinkedIn a lot as well. And before that, when in the past, like when I started out a few years ago and I didn't know about pros or I didn't use LinkedIn, I just Google like translation agency, uh, mm. in, I don't know, the USA, for example. And then I applied uh, using the, their forms, for example. And yeah, so mainly now I worked with um, translation agencies and direct clients as well. And I use a lot of uh, LinkedIn to, to find those direct clients. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. All right, well, let's do a couple of things. What I, I've got a, a couple of topics, specific topics that I'd like to talk to you about. So the, the first one is please tell us how you use pros.com and and second please tell us how you use linkedin.com so let's start with pros.com please paula okay yeah so uh what i mostly uh use is the blue board um i like to see other comments uh and the ratings uh agencies have so i go there i check if i like the company i see other translators comments and if i like the company i go to their website and I apply, depending on how they, they want a translator to do that. Um, I and how are you, sorry to interrupt, yeah. how, are you, how are you filtering those companies? Um, are you filtering them at all before you start to look at their, their ratings? Yes, I mainly work with American clients, uh, especially because of my specialization that is uh, for um, Hispanic uh, speakers, Spanish speakers in the U.S., so yeah. I mainly work with American clients and first of all, I look companies in the US and then when, if I like the, the rating and if I like the comments, I see if they work with my specialties and after that I apply. Okay, brilliant. And, and how do you then apply? How do you apply to them? So I visit their website and see if they have a form or if they want uh, translators to send an email or uh, how they want to be contacted, and I follow that. Okay, brilliant. And could you please, Paula, give us an idea of how many agencies you might have contacted that way in a particular period, perhaps, and what you think your success rate might have been with that, with that, uh, that way of doing things? <laughs> I don't know how many. I think uh, a lot, especially in the past. Uh, mm but um i think uh, maybe there's a three percent of the agencies that reply and become not that reply but that become uh clients in the end um mm -hmm. so yeah i think you translators have to to work a lot and to spend a lot of time doing that because not all agencies uh, need translators right now, or maybe you don't agree on rates or you don't agree on payment terms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, I, I think that 3%, I think that is fascinating 
for a number of reasons. I don't think it's necessarily um, too high or too low or, or anything. I, I just think it's fascinating. And I think it's fascinating for the following reason. If you, if you then break that down into how many people you need to contact, you're right. You do need to contact lots of agencies in order to, um, to, to be successful. But if you then break it down into how many you can contact perhaps each week, then I, I would certainly think that you could contact 10 a week as you as you've said um you you tend to contact more at the beginning and in that um order of things you'd be contacting 100 within um within two and a half months exactly and yeah. and if you then get three percent so you're getting three clients out of that but i think here it's also important to remember just as a sort of general comment for everyone and you can add your experience into this paula but but i think those three percent can then turn out often to to be clients that you work with in the long term first of all they're clients that you're happy with because you've kind of pre-selected them as well as you you mentioned that you said some of them don't have the rates that fit so these three percent these three companies that you might get out of a hundred are the ones that they want to work with you and you want to work with them because you're happy with the rates so you've got a good rate and you also may have a very good lifetime value of working with that client you may be able to work with them for for several years so so i'm thinking that that three percent to many people might sound a little low at first but then when you start to analyze it it can actually be a really good way of doing things is it does that does that make sense to you do you agree with with that yeah exactly i absolutely agree i like to have long-term relationships with my clients and that's not easy you have to work on that but um yeah it makes out uh, 3% may sound uh, low, but I think uh, it's a good number. And yes. yeah. And I, okay. I think it depends uh, on how busy I am. Sometimes I'm really busy and I, I really don't have time to, to market, uh, to do marketing. So I maybe for a month or two months, I don't look for, for clients. But when I do have time, I make sure to, to find clients because I think we have to do that all the time yes okay very good wonderful wonderful well thanks for sharing that about pros.com let's now move on to linkedin and please tell us specifically how you work on linkedin so so i think if i'm understanding things correctly through pros.com you were getting exclusively agency clients and now linkedin you're going to be talking about direct clients is that a division that you have completely um is it, is it something that you do completely in that separated way? Yes. Well, I sometimes uh, get contacted by agencies uh, through LinkedIn and I follow the process. That's okay. But when I have to find the clients myself, I use LinkedIn to find direct clients. And first of all, I think it's important to have spe specialization because then it's easier to find clients. If you don't have specialization, you don't know what you're looking for. And so I look for companies that work in my uh, areas and that have a specific number of employees that are located in specific areas. And I look for the employees of that company and I contact one of them. And hopefully if they answer back, then we can have a conversation. Okay. Okay. 
I'm I'm interested in this. So how do you how do you go from from then? So you reach out. I can understand that. You're again, you're filtering the companies. You're finding the companies that that fit your your target market. You you design those um, specific requirements, and then you look for the companies that that fit. Then you reach out and and connect with one or two employees. Then what's happening next? What happens in this sort of? How do you take it from there to then becoming a client? And I know it obviously doesn't happen in every case, but how, what's that? what does that process look like, Paola? Okay, yeah. Well, first of all, I send them a connection request. If they accept, I just introduce myself briefly. And if they accept, when they uh, accept or if they answer back, I reply and I introduce myself a little bit with more detail. And I say that I, I'm a translator and that I can help them based on what they do or if I find... Uh, I see that they have maybe kind of a problem that I can help them solve. I say that and I say whether they would like to discuss further. And if they say yes, we can continue talking about it uh, through emails or on the phone. Okay, excellent. Excellent. And that, and that, again, are you able to give any kind of numbers? Have you got a few clients through that? Lots of clients? Do, do, do you dip into it and out of it again as you do with the you know, just with marketing in general, how, how does how has that worked for you? I think it's easier to get agencies that are very clients. Um, so I would say maybe one or two percent. Uh, it's the process. It's very uh, time consuming and you have to spend a lot of time doing research to see what that company needs and what you can offer. Um, but then when you get the client, I think you have a long term relationship with them. But yeah, I would say maybe one or two percent. It's more difficult than working with agencies, I guess. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, thanks, thanks, thanks for that, Paula. I'd like to talk a little bit now about your your profiles because you've you've clearly spent some time working on your profile. So your first one is 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 the pros.com profile, and something here that you you say it says, "I help you reach your Latin American audience." by communicating your message through translation in these areas. And then you set out some areas of, of specialization. I, I think that sort of focus on helping companies is is good rather than uh, an upfront focus on on your qualifications. And I, so I, I think that's something that, that people should think about and consider at the very least how they can help others first and foremost. And then the other thing I'd like to talk about is your your website so for i know it's not the easiest thing to uh, to look at while you're listening to a podcast um, unless you happen to be at the desk but it's paulaplazas.com it looks like a very well put together website can you tell us a little bit about how you got your website set up please okay yeah well first of all regarding my uh, pros profile i i've learned that uh, clients want to talk about them and their problems and not about you and your uh, degrees. That's why yes. I don't I don't mention that, uh, at least not, not at the beginning. And yeah, and then regarding my web, website, I set it up last year. I think it was March, more or less. And well, of, of course, I worked with a website designer and with a graphic designer and they helped me. Uh, set up the, the website and okay great great yeah. so let me let me so let me ask you this so th this is this is something that I think where a lot a lot of freelancers struggle with this okay because so if you if you worked with a graphic designer and with a web 
a, a web designer, then obviously you invested some money in this, right? So you, you pay yeah. for these professional services. How do you, as, as, as a freelancer, make, create the budget for that? Was that at all difficult for you? Was it something that you completely believed in? And what would you say to other people in a similar position? And I, and I, and I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think a lot of people struggle with coming up with the investment for a website that looks professional mm-hmm. and therefore don't get it done. And sometimes it, it just gets put to one side for, for years. Yeah. Well, when I had my website uh, designed, I was still an in-house uh, translator and I saved some money for that. I wasn't sure whether it would have help or not, but it definitely does. Uh, you look more professional if you have a website uh, when you contact clients and also uh, clients contact you because they find you, find you uh, through your website. So I think, yes, you have to pay for that. You have to invest. It's, I think it's an investment, but then you will see the, the results. And I think it's totally positive. And if translators want to set up their own businesses, they should have a website, at least a one-page website uh, like mine uh, with some information, contact details, what you do, how you can help the clients and a few testimonials. I think that would do. Yeah, yeah, that all-important contact form. I like that there at the bottom. Um, and uh, also another thing I'm, I'm noticing here. So, I mean, okay, so before I get on to that, so you would definitely say you've got your, your money back from investing in that, in that website. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, and now I, you have a digital asset that can be left there for, to work for you for, for years. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think clients trust you more if you are online, not only on LinkedIn, but also if you have your own website. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I think I, I think some people just just struggle with actually getting it done, and it's just, it's good to talk to someone who's taken the plunge, made it happen. It's a it's a very professional website, and um, you know, as you said, it, it's proved to be a a very good investment. So that's that's paulaplazas.com if anyone wants to check that out. So finally, on your website, I can see that you've got you've got three different areas of of, of, um, of work. So you've got translation, you've got uh, editing, and you've got uh, subtitling as well. Tell us a little bit about how you manage different areas. Um, for example, subtitling, is that something that you, you got into after you had already become a, a competent translator? And how did you go about adding that to your portfolio of services, if that's how it happened? Yes, yes, I started subtitling uh, a few months ago and I had already uh, translation clients. So first of all, I offered my subtitling services to them. Some of them needed those services, so I did some uh, jobs for them. And I think it's completely different. Uh, Translation and subtitling, they are different. So yes, I think it's important to be... um, to have some experience, at least as a translator, to then work as a subtitler. Or if you start out as a subtitler, then you have to um, train to be a, a translator because I think uh-huh. you need different skills. Yeah. And you also work with different uh, software and different tools. So they are connected, but they are not the same thing. 
Okay, okay, but that kind of balance is is working out well for you of managing those those different lines. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I think I think I think it's quite clear, Paula, that you've done a, a fantastic job in getting yourself set up, in getting those initial clients on board and on 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 building your profiles and on building your business so i think you've done a, a really good job with that well done and uh thank you so much what, what would you and and thank you for coming on and and sharing that experience with us because I, I i think as well a lot of people aren't sure at the beginning you mentioned earlier on in the interview you mentioned that sort of period of doubt so i think everyone has some kind of setback and then you've you, you know but you've really i think um made that you you had that in-house position and then you've you've gone freelance and it's obviously working out really well for you so so congratulations with that thanks what do you think is is next so when you look at the 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 next the next few few years where do you see yourself um growing are you looking to outsource work with other people are you looking to just get better clients are you completely happy with where you are now or, or, or what might what might the future hold for you Paula well uh, right now I'm really happy and and I think in the future in the near future I want to get uh, more clients that's something that I always do uh, look for clients and I think in the future like maybe I don't know uh, within some years I would like to outsource some work and see how it works. But for now, I'm happy the way I'm doing business. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. No, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant, Paola. Well, thank you for coming on today and sharing all of that with us. I'll just leave you with the last word if you'd like to leave leave your contact details as well if anyone wants to get in touch. And um, yeah, thanks very much for sharing that and all the very best for the future, Paula. Okay, thank you very much. I'm sorry for my dog, he's barking. And yeah, if you want to contact me, uh, you can uh, reach out to me at hello at paulaplazas.com or uh, my uh, LinkedIn profile is Maria Paula Plazas. So uh, either way, you can contact me. I'm also, I also have an Instagram uh, profile for translators. Uh, it's in Spanish, but it's paulaplazas.translations. Uh, so you can reach out to me uh, through LinkedIn as well. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Paula. And uh, yeah, by the way, you can't really have a podcast without having a dog barking in the background uh, once <laughs> once in a while. That's all part of uh, how it works. So brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on. All the very best. And um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Paula. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paola. Lots of great information in there. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to check out training.pros.com. All the very best. And until next time, bye-bye.